Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Micah. The Old Testament book of Micah and Micah in chapter number one. The book of Micah in chapter number one. We are, of course, in our series of the Minor Prophets as we take one Minor Prophet a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and giving a survey, giving you an overall feel of these Minor Prophets. And, of course, each Minor Prophet has their own flavor, their own emphasis, their own style, but all of it is inspired of God to help the people. And, of course, we saw this morning as we kind of took things out of order and went through the last part of the book of Micah and watched as God presented a courtroom scene before the people and the verdict without a doubt was guilty and there was nothing they could do to stand against it but then we saw as God in his mercy stepped from the judgment seat put his robe off and paid the price for the guilty party and all they had to do was receive the free payment that he made and of course what a great merciful God that we have now that's going to be an important theme because the entire book of Micah is a book of judgment probably why a lot of people don't like to spend time in it not only is it one of the books where you read and it takes you a little bit to kind of get a good idea of the context unless you have a message like this that helps out but in addition, it is also a lot of judgment. And so with that, it's just a natural book for people to shy away from. They would rather have something more exciting or may I say a little bit less convicting when they understand what it is. But the book of Micah is a book of judgment. With that, let's go ahead and look at this book of judgment in the book of Micah chapter number one. The book of Micah, chapter number one, and notice with me in verse number one. The book of Micah, chapter one, and verse number one. The word of the Lord came to Micah, the Moserite, in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear all ye people, hearken, O earth, and all that is therein is, and let the Lord God be witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place, and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. The mountains shall be molten under him, and the valley shall be cleft as wax before the fire, and as waters that are poured down a steep place. For the transgression of Jacob is all this. For what the sins of the house of Jacob? What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem. Therefore I will make Samaria as a heap of the field and as the plantings of a vineyard and I will pour down the stones thereof in the valley and I will discover the foundations thereof and all the graven images thereof shall be beaten to pieces and all the hires thereof shall be burned with fire and all the idols thereof will I lay desolate for she gathered it in the hire of a harlot and they shall return 
to the hire of a harlot. Therefore I will wail and howl, and I will go stripped and naked, and I will make a wailing like the dragons, and a mourning as the owls, for her wound is incurable. For it is come unto Judah. He came into the gate of my people, even to Jerusalem. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Micah in chapter number one? The book of Micah, chapter number one, and notice the phrase, let the Lord be a witness against you. Let the Lord God be witness against you. And as we have this book of judgment as it's proclaiming why the judgments are coming upon the northern kingdom of Samaria and later on the southern kingdom of Judah. We could see here, let the Lord be a witness against you. If you don't mind, let's go once again to the Lord and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. Lord, without a doubt, there's been a lot of spiritual warfare today. And Lord, I believe it's because you want to get victory. And even tonight with the good folks here, you want to get victory. And so I'm asking that you would give us a spirit of wakefulness, that you would give us a spirit of attentiveness, that you would open up this book. It's a deep book, but I'm asking that you would open it up, give us a good understanding of it, and then you would drive home the important message as we go and examine the life of a Micah as he is delivering these messages and how important these messages are for the help of the people. Again, I'm very conscious now how important it is for me to be a spirit-filled preacher. These folks do not need to hear from me. They need to hear from you. So the best I know how I surrender myself to you. I give you my lips, my tongue, my thoughts, my ambitions, my goals, my everything. Fill me with your spirit. You get your own work accomplished. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we turn to the book of Micah in chapter number 1, this is a very serious book. Of course, this book times itself. Notice with me in Micah chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord that came to Micah the Moserite in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Now, notice as it times itself, this is during the days of Hezekiah. In fact, this is the last part of the days in the middle of it, uh, where you have Isaiah, the great prophet, is preaching in the kingdom, preaching inside to the kings and the princes. He's prince, uh, preaching in the palaces. Whereas Micah is down in the ground floor working with the people. And as Isaiah hits the palaces, Micah's hitting the rest of the folks and trying to help them out. It is also at this time, it is at the eve of the fall of the northern kingdom of Samaria. Remember at this time that the kingdom of Israel is split into two. You have the northern kingdom of Samaria, of Israel, and the southern kingdom of Judah. They have been separated for quite a while. And now in the 720s, just a few more years, Samaria is going to be destroyed. The Assyrian Empire, the Nazis of the ancient world, are going to come and be used of God to chasten his people. They're going to bring judgment upon Samaria and the northern kingdom. And then they're going to come and turn their attention down 
to Jerusalem. They're going to eat up all these small little towns in all of the kingdom of, Ju of Judea. And then they're going to surround Jerusalem. And of course, we have a famous story that is repeated not once, not twice, but three times in Old Testament scriptures. How the Assyrians were surrounding uh, the, the capital city of Jerusalem. How there was no hope whatsoever. And Hezekiah and Isaiah prayed. And that night God sent one angel to destroy 185,000 Assyrians. Now of course that was already after the northern kingdom had been destroyed. And so you have Micah who is here on the ground floor preaching to the people. And saying look our neighbors to the north God is about to destroy them. But don't you feel super religious because the same thing is going to happen to you. You need to be careful. You need to change your ways. Now, Micah, the name, means who is like Jehovah. That's an important name. Every time you mention Micah, he who is like Jehovah. His name was a message of himself that Jehovah God, there is none like him. Now, as Micah is preaching, he's giving a message. And he starts off with the idea of the coming judgment. The coming judgment. Now, of course, Samaria was the northern kingdom and it was full of sins. If you are familiar with the kingdom of Samaria, that it broke off with Rehoboam. That the first king of the southern kingdom was Rehoboam. The first king of the northern kingdom was Jeroboam. And at the very first act of Jeroboam was to set up a false religion. Where they didn't even serve God anymore, but they had God in their name. And as long as we have God in the name, everything's all right. Well, by the time King Ahab came, they stopped pretending and they just started uh, blatantly out loud serving other gods. And now that God is done, God is tired of it. God is tired of his people not even pretending to serve him anymore. He's going to wipe them off the map. He is going to destroy them. However, the sins of Samaria have started to creep in into Jerusalem. Remember, what is the, the sins of Samaria? They're serving other gods rather than Jehovah God. And whenever they do, quote unquote, serve Jehovah God, they do whatever they want and just put it in Jesus' name and everything is all right. And so what is happening is that the sins of Samaria... Those are spiritual, and it is the spiritual sins that have started to come into the southern kingdom. Notice there's a couple of um, points in verse number 3. For behold, the Lord cometh forth out of his place, and will come down and tread upon the high places of earth. And the mountain shall be molten under him, and the valley shall be cleft, and wax before fire as the waters that are poured from the deep steep. For the transgression of... Um, Jacob is all of this. And the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? Notice these high places. The high places, whenever they're mentioned, are places of false worship. They were places in the ancient people's mind. They had an idea of this. The higher I go in, in altitude the closer I'll be with God. And so they had an idea that location made the difference. And so if I show up here, God's happy with me. If I do this religious service, God's happy with me. And so as long as I 
make believe and I pretend, then it will fool God and God will be happy with it. But to top on top of that, it wasn't just the false worship. Notice in verse 7. And all the graven images thereof shall be beaten to pieces, and all the hires thereof shall be burned with fire, and all the idols thereof will I lay desolate. For she gathered it of the hire of a harlot, and they shall return to the hire of the harlot. Now I understand we're in a mixed audience, but the sins of Samaria that crept down to Jerusalem were not just this false worship, but they were sexual sins that had worked into the worship. And so in order to worship this God, in order to worship nature, in order to worship this, we have to perform these sexual acts. And so what happened is that the people had very much sex placed in front of their mind, always in front of their mind, and they were fine with it. It's fine. It's just part of our culture today. It's just how things are. And so what happened is that God is calling Samaria the capital of spiritual adultery. And the spiritual adultery has now trickled into the southern kingdom. And for the same sins that God is going to destroy the northern kingdom, is the same sins that God is going to destroy the southern kingdom. And God is giving warning. We see that the sin of Samaria was spiritual but we also see that the sin of Samaria was spreading. Verse number 9. For who, her wound is incurable. For it is come into Judah. Now notice that her. Who is that her? It is referring to Samaria. For Samaria's wound is incurable. There's nothing that can be done about Samaria now. For it is come into Judah. This wound he is coming to the gate of my people, even to Jerusalem. So here, this sin is spreading and is actually coming to the southern kingdom. And so what happens is that God now lists a whole series of, of names that are found within the region. Towns who Micah has a play on words. If you could uh, <coughs> have this English idea, God is using puns. For those who didn't think puns were in the Bible, God is using puns. And so what he's doing is that he's using the names of these towns. Now, each of these names, we know it's translated in English. But for the Hebrew people, names were important. Like Micah, when you heard the name, <clears throat> it had the idea, who is like Jehovah? You heard his name and it preached a message. Well, each of the towns in this region also had meaning. And so in this list of names, there is a little um, descriptor right now next to the name, and it would be a pun to talk about uh, what is going to happen. For example, we may use cities in our own country that the flag has fallen at Flagstaff, or there's going to be gnashing of teeth in Nashville, or there's going to be cleaving at Cleveland. And so you could see how those names would fit together. Well, the list of these names in their descriptor here is going to be the same idea. That there's a descriptive uh, term that goes with the name and God is using these puns. May I just quickly just tell you the puns as we go through here. At verse number 10, you have the town of Aphra. And it is roll in the dust in dust town. And verse number 11, you have um, Sapphire. Beauty shamed at beauty town. And verse number 11, you have Zanon going out from out town. 
and verse uh, number 11, you have Bethesiel. No neighborliness at neighbor town. Verse number 12, uh, Morith, bitter tears here at bitter town. Verse number 12, Jerusalem, no peace in peace town. Verse number 13, you have Lachish, horsepower is gone from horse town. Verse number 14, Axib, you have falsehood reigns in false town. Then you have in verse 15, Marisheth, no possessions left at possession town. Verse number 15, you have Adullam, no testimony in testimony town. And so God goes through this list. And remember he's pronouncing judgment. That is going to fall upon all of these regions. And all of these towns. And he's saying listen destruction has come. And it's coming so complete. And he brings this name. And it's just a, a way for the Hebrew people. They would understand that. He's using the names of this to pronounce judgment. And that something serious is happening. He's trying to get their attention now. With the preaching. All leading to verse number 16 here. Notice what it says in verse 16. Uh, Micah chapter 1 verse 16. Make thee bald and pull thee for thy uh, delicate children. Enlarge thy baldness as the eagle for they are gone in captivity from thee. Now in the ancient world baldness or shaving the head was a sign of mourning. So let's say that there was a, a national tragedy that occurred. People would shave or shore their hair. They would give themselves baldness on purpose to give a public sign that there's something wrong. That there's something horribly wrong. And what God is telling them is that you better get used to being bald. Because the judgment's not only going to affect you. It's going to affect your children. Again, he's using this language to try to get their attention that there's something wrong. There's something bad wrong. And if you could imagine like a normal church service, people are just staring and going, that's nice. Cool. Are we done yet? And that's how the people were treating it. They're not understanding that this is the most important message they could hear in their life. Because God is pronouncing judgment. And he's trying to get their attention that you are the problem. You are the problem. So we started off by talking about uh, the coming judgment. The coming judgment, it's coming. Well, let's get specific and let's see the cause of the judgment. The cause of the judgment. What is causing where God says, I'm going to destroy the region. I'm going to send these Assyrians to come and destroy the northern kingdom. And by the way, Jerusalem and Judea, you're next if you don't get your act together. What is the cause of this judgment? Well, in chapter 2 and chapter 3, he rapid fire goes through a list of different charges that the people of that nation are guilty of. And Chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, he accuses them of being robbers. He goes through and says that they're taking things by violence. And it gives the word picture. If you can imagine Naboth's field and that Ahab wanted it and Jezebel hired people to lie and to kill him, to murder him in order to get the possessions. And verses 1 through 5, it's talking about these people are actually dreaming. They stay up at night scheming. Of how they can get ahead and get someone else's possessions. They're charged as robbers. In chapter 2 verses 6 through 7. He calls them revilers. They're revilers. Notice in verse 6. Prophesy ye not 
say they to them that prophesy. So here's the crowd. We don't want you to preach anymore, preachers. We don't want to hear your message. It's not any fun. It doesn't make me feel good. Don't preach anymore. Don't preach like that. Prophesy not, say they to them that prophesy. They shall not prophesy to them that <laughs> that they shall not take shame. Meaning, listen, we're not going to be shamed by your message. We're not going to be convicted by your message. We don't want to hear it. They were revilers. And God says, because they won't even listen to the message no more. That's it. They're done. God says they're robbers. He says they're revilers. In verses 8 and 9, he calls them resistors. Notice with me in verse number 8. Even of late, my people is risen up as an enemy. Notice what he said. My people, my people are risen up and they're like an enemy to me. Ye pull off the robe of the garment from them that pass by securely as men adverse from war. The women of my people have ye cast out from their pleasant houses. And from their children have ye taken away my glory forever. Here he calls them these resistors. They're resisting against God's rules and God's laws. So much that they go and find someone who's walking down the street. And they just take their clothes off of them. They take their coat. They just rob them. And they said, what is God going to do about this? That they are resisting God's authority. Notice as he goes on in verses 11 and 10, he calls them repudiators. Verse number 10, Arise ye and depart, for this is not your rest, because it is polluted, and it shall destroy you, even with a sore destruction. He goes on and here's these, these people. They're arguing against God's word. We don't want God's word. We want our own message. And verse 12 and 13 here he speaks to the remnant. You have a few people that's trying to do right, but there's so few compared to everyone else who wants to do wrong. In chapter 3, he then turns to the princes, the people that's in authority, the people that are supposed to be taking care of the little guy, to taking care of the people underneath him. Notice in chapter 3 and verse 1. And I said, here, I pray you, O heads of Jacob, so those who are in leadership, those princes, and ye princes of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know judgment who hate the good and love the evil, who pluck off the skin off of them and their flesh from off their bones, who also eat of my, the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off of them, and they break their bones and chop them to pieces as for the pot and the flesh within the cauldron. Here God is saying, listen, this is an illustration of what the government, those who are in charge, are doing to the regular people. It's like taking a chicken and skinning it. So first of all, you take the skit, the feathers, and you defeather it. And then what you do is you flay the outside skin. Then you take the meat off of the bone. But you don't want to leave any extra parts. You want to use everything. So you get to the bone, and you chop off the bone, and put it in little pieces, and you put it in a pot, so that way you can get all the flavoring from the bone. And it's saying, this is what the government, the people who's in charge, is doing to the people. They're taking everything they possibly can from them and using everything from them. And it's at a place where the people are trying, even if they wanted to do right, here's the government that's crushing everything, taking everything from them. And the government, the people knew better. The princes knew better. Verse number four. 
Then shall they cry unto the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time, as they have behaved themselves ill in their doings. He says, finally, when judgment's going to come, the princes are going to go, oh God, help us. But God says, where was you at when you were hurting everyone else? When it comes time for your judgment, it's because it's well earned. Now, all of this has been leading to here. There's another group of people that God is placing as the cause of the judgment. And that's the prophets. The prophets. Notice with me in verse number 5. Micah 3 for 5. And this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. For thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that make my people err. Why were the people involved in spiritual idolatry? Why were they involved in these spiritual sins? Because the preachers weren't doing their jobs. The preachers were giving a message that made the people feel good. Instead of turning them to the Lord. Thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that make my people err, that bite with their teeth and cry, Peace! And he that putteth not to their mouths, they even prepare war against him. Now, God puts it this way in the book of Jeremiah. They have healed the hurt of my daughter slightly, saying, Peace! Peace! When there was no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? Nay, they were not ashamed. Neither could they blush. The passage repeated twice in the book of Jeremiah. Says they've hurt the help. Or they've helped the hurt of my daughter slightly. It carries the idea that, oh, it's all right. God still likes you. When they needed to be said, you're in sin. You need to get right. But they're saying, don't worry, it doesn't matter what you do. You do whatever you want. God still loves you. And the message like that, it feels good at the moment. But it doesn't solve the problem. What's the problem? Sin. Sin is the problem. And so what happens with all the love taps and it's all right. You just be the best you. And the smiling and how to do the self-help stuff. How to smile in bad days. How to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. All the self-help nonsense gets to the place. They have helped the hurt of my daughter slightly. Saying, peace, peace. When there is no peace. Micah's saying, there's no peace. This is not a message to say you're fine with God. This is a time to say you need to get right with God. It is you that have the problem. Saying peace, peace when there was no peace. Were they ashamed? Speaking about the people who are now in sin. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. You know, the word blush is a very important word. It carries the idea for you to turn red, for you to be embarrassed. And if there's one thing that's true about American Christianity today, is that we're no longer ashamed of our sins. We have lost our blush. It doesn't bother us. If someone tells a lie, eh, no big deal. If someone's caught in a sexual sin, eh, everyone does it. And we carry the idea that we could hear the most horrible thing. Eh. 
And we're no longer embarrassed by it. And if we're no longer bothered by sin, how easy it is it for us to commit sins if it's not a bother to us? You understand God hates all sin. He hates every bit of it. But when the people hear messages, it's all right. You do whatever you want. God still loves you. What that does is give them permission to sin. It tells them, you go ahead and do whatever you want, and God will let you get away with it. You don't have to change your life. You don't have to be right. You don't have to live a holy life. You are fine. And so what is the problem of Jerusalem? What's the problem of the southern kingdom? They've got to the place where the preachers are there to make the people feel good about themselves rather than point out that they are wrong with God, but they can get right. The idea of biblical preaching has disappeared. Verse 6, Therefore night shall come to you, and it shall not have a vision. And it shall be dark unto you, and ye shall not divine. And the sun shall go down over the prophets, and the day shall be dark over them. Then shall the seers be ashamed, and the diviners confounded. Yea, they shall cover their lips, for there is no answer of God. Imagine this. In a few short time span, the northern kingdom of Samaria is going to be destroyed. Now remember, who lives in Samaria at this time? Hebrew people. And God's made tons of promises to Hebrew people. So when Samaria is destroyed by the Assyrians, after the preachers say, God won't touch us, we're fine, God won't bring destruction, we're going to be all right. And then all of a sudden God brings destruction. What are those false preachers going to tell those folks? How All their message all these years, that they're fine. And they don't have to get right. What can they possibly say when judgment falls? And it says they're not going to be able to answer anything. There's not going to be a satisfactory answer. Because they've ignored the sin problem all of these years. Notice back in Micah chapter 2 and verse number 11. Dealing with these false preachers, looking at their message. Notice with it here in verse, <coughs> verse number 11, chapter 2 verse 11. If a man walking in the spirit and falsehood, meaning the spirit of falsehood, do lie. All right, so notice. Here's a preacher that's going to lie. He's walking in a falsehood. And notice the message saying, I will prophesy unto thee of wine and strong drink. Meaning like, he's going to lie. That's what the Bible said. And he comes and says, guess what, guys? You are allowed to drink. Drink your alcohol. You are fine. God's fine with that. You get away with it. It's not a problem. It's context, by the way. He shall even be the prophet of the people. The people want to hear a message that allows them to get away with their sin. If you preach a positive message and you tell them, go ahead and enjoy your sin, you are fine. The people will enjoy listening to a message like that. You see, people don't mind you preaching against sin as long as it's not their sin. You can preach on every, it's fine. You know, the Bible speaks about this. We're coming back here. In the book of um, 2 Timothy, chapter number 4. The book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4. May I show it to you really quick? We're coming back to Micah. 
But we see the problem is these false teachers. And the reason why these false teachers are popular is because the people want that so. The book of 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Here Paul is telling Timothy right before Paul dies. He's trying to encourage his young protege who was a pastor. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, not your thoughts, not your ideas. Preach, thus saith the Lord. Be instant in season and out of season. That means when it's popular, preach. When it's not popular, preach. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Notice this reprove, rebuke, and exhort. There are two negative preaching to one positive. Well, that's almost reverse or completely offset from the other preachers. It's all exhortation. You go ahead and you do a better you, but it's not helping them at all. A biblical preacher is required to reprove, to point out that there are things that are wrong. To rebuke, that carries the idea to strongly say this is wrong. And then there's time of exhortation, of building people up. But it says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. Remember, what is long suffering means? It means you suffer long. That means in every preacher's ministry, there are going to be times where the people don't want to hear the message. And the people are not thrilled about being there. How do I know? I'm going to get a camera one of these days and let you see for yourself. There are times where it's hard to preach because nobody's. And the Bible says you got to suffer long, suffer through it, even if they don't look like they're interested, even if it looks like they're falling asleep, even if it looks like they'd rather have another message or if they just want to go home and eat. The Bible says to preach, to exhort with all long suffering, notice this, and doctrine. We're supposed to teach doctrine. Teach what the Bible says. To teach doctrine. Notice in verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. What are they not going to want? They're not going to want doctrine. The word sound, by the way, means healthy. They don't want healthy doctrine. You know what they want? They want dessert. It's almost like if you ever took a child at a buffet where they could eat whatever they want and then the parent just let them get whatever they want and all they did was go to the dessert over and over and over and over. And you're like, what's the meat? Nah, I want more pie. I want more cake. You know, that's what people default to. I want sugar. I want the stuff that tastes good. Forget the rest of it. I just want. And the Bible says you got to eat your meat. You got to eat this other stuff too. For there will be a time where they will not endure. That word endure is very powerful. It carries the idea where they will not stand it. Listen preacher. If you preach any doctrine. We're out of here. Or even worse. If you preach any doctrine. You're out of here. But they shall heap to them, uh, for the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust 
They shall heap to them teachers having itching ears. And they shall be turned away their ears from the truth and be turned to fables. What's the fable of Micah's day? We're God's people. He'll never punish us. We're God's people. We're accepted. God loves us. You go ahead and do whatever you want. As long as you consider yourself a Hebrew, you are fine. Let me tell you, even though you may call yourself a Christian, doesn't mean you're always right with the Lord. Does it mean that there's some things that don't need to be addressed from time to time? But people, even true born-again Christians, can get to the place where they said, I just want someone to make me smile. I just want something when I'm having a bad day to cheer me up. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with being encouraged from time to time. But having that and having no preaching on hell, no preaching on sin, no preaching on doctrine is going to make someone where they're corrupt spiritually just like these folks are. And God will not stand for it. Now God puts the cause of judgment and he spends a lot of time on the prophets. Turn back with me to the book of Micah and I want to show you the cure for judgment. And this is where it applies to us. Because as we've been praying as a church, we want revival. We want God to do something. And that will not happen as long as we allow sin to be in our life. As long as we don't allow the preacher to point out that there's sin that needs to be addressed. You know, part of the thing is that sometimes we need to be told there is something wrong that needs to be fixed. Otherwise, we won't see it ourselves. What is the cure for judgment? Well, notice with me in Micah chapter 3 and verse 8. As Micah, who is the preacher of this story, notice what is said about Micah in verse number 8. Micah chapter 3 verse 8. But truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. Micah says, listen, it is not my message, it's God's message. And I'm not doing it in my strength, I'm doing it in God's strength. And I'm not depending on my power, my words, I'm depending upon the power of the Spirit. He says, I'm as dead to self as I possibly can. It must be God that gets the work done. It is a Spirit-filled preacher that is necessary to have revival. It is a Spirit-filled preacher who is delivering the message and the people respond to that preacher. That's important. The preacher can preach all he wants, see Jeremiah. But if the people don't respond, judgment's going to come. A spirit-filled preacher is necessary for revival. But if the people won't listen, no revival. He says, but truly I am a fool of power by the Spirit of God and of judgment. Notice this. I am not only delivering this message by the Spirit of, of the Lord, but I'm also delivering to you judgment. Remember, the whole book of Micah is about the judgment of God. It's not a fun subject, but you understand, he, it was necessary. He is telling people that Samaria is going to be destroyed before it's destroyed. And he's telling them why it's going to be destroyed. And he's telling the people of Jerusalem, it does not have to happen to you, but if you don't get right, the same thing that's going to happen to them is going to happen to us. I have to tell you that God is not happy. Judgment's going to fall. Judgment must begin at the house of the Lord, the Bible says in the book of Peter. Notice, but I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and of judgment and of might to declare unto Jacob his transgression and to Israel 
his sin. What is necessary for revival? What is necessary as a cure for judgment? Preaching on sin. Pointing out this is sin and God hates it. And we should stay away from it. Preaching messages that we should be ashamed of our sin. And we need to get back to the place where we bring our blush back. That we are embarrassed and ashamed when we see sin. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? Nay, they were not ashamed. Neither could they blush. He goes on in verse 9. Hear this, I pray you, ye heads of the house of Jacob and the princes of the house of Israel that abhor judgment and pervert all equality. He says, listen, I have a message for you rulers. You get right. He's going to go down. You people down here, you get right. And he's going to preach a message. But notice in verse 11, those false preachers, the heads thereof judge for reward, and the priests thereof teach for a hire, and the prophets thereof divine for money. Yet they will lean upon the Lord and said, Is not the Lord among us? None evil could come upon us. He says, I know that I have to preach something that's not popular. With the preacher down the street is glad to take your money and preach whatever message you want. He says, you don't hire me, God hired me. And I have to deliver the message from the one that hired me, that God sent me, and I have to preach this message. I understand that other people would rather have this other message, but this is the message that's necessary. As we talked about the preacher, notice the response of the people. Verse, uh, Micah chapter 2 and verse 7. Now the preacher is responsible for being right with a God. Dead to self. Filled with God's power. Filled with God's might. To preach doctrine. To preach on sin. But remember the people have a response to Micah chapter 2. And notice with me verse 7. We're talking about the cure of judgment. The, the necessary tools for revival. O thou that are named of the house of Jacob... Is the spirit of the Lord straightened? Are these his doings? Do not my words do good to him that walketh uprightly. You know in a message like this. For someone who doesn't want to get right with God. This message is offensive to them. They don't like messages like this. But for someone who loves God. For someone who wants revival. For someone who wants to do what's right, messages like Micah's, the message like we're preaching here today, it does them good. Amen. You understand? For someone who loves the Lord, they don't mind messages on sin. For people who love the Lord, they don't mind getting their boots out so that way if their toes get stepped on, they're ready. For people who love the Lord, they don't mind Bible, uh, Bible messages, spirit-filled messages, because it does them good. What can do us any more good for God to say, that's wrong, thank you for showing me that God, I'm going to fix that. That's Bible preaching. But we understand that the time is now where they will not endure sound doctrine. But they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You understand there are plenty of choices 
nowadays to go to. There's plenty of places where you could go and feel good about your sin. We can't do anything about them. Here all we could do is say we're going to preach God's word. And there may be some messages that we get our toes stepped on. But it's good for us. And there's going to be some messages that may not hit us in the best way. But we understand that God's using it to draw us close to him. In history, they had Mary, Queen of Scots, who was ruling in Scotland. And of course, she had a battle and a tug of war against her southern neighbor of England. And she did all of these things and trying to uh, (coughs) uh, do uh, different things against her her, uh, cousin Elizabeth I. And someone asked her once, who do you fear the most? Mary, Queen of Scots says, I fear John Knox more than all of the armies of England. Who was John Knox? He was a good old-fashioned fire and brimstone preacher in Scotland. And she says, I'm more afraid of him than any of the armies because of his message. He's filled with God's word. They once asked Karl Marx in the, last, in the latter part of the 1800s, who is the biggest enemy of communism slash socialism. Who is the biggest enemy? He said Charles Spurgeon. Because Bible preaching is against communism. Bible preaching is against socialism. They do not go hand in hand. And with a Bible filled preacher who is preaching God's word and the people are receiving God's word, they will not turn to socialism and they will not turn to communism. You understand That a spirit-filled preacher could influence a world. There's something about it. But when preachers sell out, they do harm to the people. Because the people need to be reminded, we need to be right with God. And God hates sin. You understand, this is one of the reasons you need to pray for your preacher. Because every now and again, I'll have someone come up and they'll make a remark You know, preacher, and this has happened to me several times. Preacher, you would have more of an audience. More people would come if you got rid of the invitation. You know, you have so much science and history. We would love to come and listen to those messages, but we don't want to respond. Well, that's against the Bible. God is, Jesus always gave an invitation for people, invited them to respond. Every time God preached to the Bible, God expected the people to do something with a message. Preaching was never given for the purpose of entertainment. It was always for the purpose of changing lives. People have come up and said that. They've given other things. Well, preacher, you know, you spend too much time in the Old Testament. You know, just talk about Jesus and you'll be fine. Well, I always want to talk about Jesus. Every message I want to talk about him. However, God has told me to preach the whole counsel of God and not just what feels good to me. Now, I'm not trying, I'm just saying you need to pray for your preacher. Because not everyone, maybe like you, that enjoys Bible preaching. Or may find benefit or respond well. Of course, with any size audience, I could preach like this and I will always have someone who didn't hear a single thing. We need to keep going. How do you pray for your preacher? Pray that he stays in the Bible. Pray that he stays hot. Um, Spurgeon said, D.L. Moody said this. 
if, if we want to see revival, it's going to start from fire from the pulpit. Spurgeon, someone once went to Spurgeon and asked him, how do I build a large church? Spurgeon said, set yourself on fire and people will come to watch you burn. You understand? You need to be praying for your preacher because there are times that it's not easy or fun to preach a Bible message. Sometimes it's not the best received with the audience saying, why am I wasting my time? Nobody wants to hear. And Satan likes to work. He likes to try to discourage. Ask Jeremiah all about it. He said, listen, they're not listening to me. I'm not preaching anymore. I'm done with it. I'm not going to do it. And he said, soon enough, God's word burned on him like a fire and he couldn't help but to preach. Pray that that happens. Pray that God keeps on fire. You understand, in order for us to move forward, we have to go together. I can't do it by myself. There has to be a response. There has to be prayer. If we're going to stay the way that we should, we could easily compromise and soften the message, preach on something that's more, uh, more favorable to the crowd, but then we won't have revival. We won't have God's spirit. And we'll lose seeing out all that God wants to get accomplished. We have to be in this together. There has to be a support for biblical preaching. Even if I sometimes preach a message that you don't like. Understanding that as long as I'm right with God and we're delivering this message, we can agree on the Bible. And let's just agree there. Pray for your preacher. And pray for this church. And let's pray for revival. And let's pray that we respond to God's message. So way, that way the message of Micah doesn't apply to us. Meaning that we're not the ones in danger of judgment. Because we've compromised the worship of God. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.